The threshold of a doorway is intended to be a barrier to the outside, to hold in what is important and to keep out what is not wanted. What makes perfect sense for our homes does not always make sense for our lives. God is inviting you to be involved in what he is doing. You must step over the thresholds in your life to take advantage of the opportunities God brings your way. Take a step of faith and cross the threshold today. Good. All right, I can lose a Britney Spears mic. You know, it's super important for us to realize that we come together. Of course, we come together to sing. Of course, we come together to hear God's word being spoken. Of course, we come together to fellowship with brothers and sisters. That's exactly why we come. But let us never, ever forget that is why we gather. Because we are convinced that our God is a way maker. Whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, whatever is coming in your future, there is only one way to make it through, and that is if you have a way maker standing, walking, plowing his way through for you. That is why we gather, because we are convinced that he and he alone can make a way for us. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in always, but especially in that song, because we're all at different places. And if we could look into each other's hearts at just that moment as we sing those words, you'll see some of us are at the very top of our game, at the very top of the mountain, saying, God, let's build some tents up here for you and Elijah and Moses. Let's stay at the top. And others are still at the very bottom of the valley, and they're not sure they're going to be even able to crawl their way out. But wherever you are, if you know and if you believe and if you are convinced that God is your way maker, he will show you a way. So please keep singing that song. I love it, and I know I love the truth behind it. Well, welcome. If you're the first time here, we're especially glad you're here. We're wrapping up our series today called uh, Thresholds, and thresholds are, are really important in life and really important even in our houses. As we wrap this up, I'd like to go all the way back to something we talked about on the very first Sunday we started talking about thresholds. Who remembers where this word threshold comes from? It's actually an old English word, and it really came into practice in, in England and pretty much all of northern Europe. Uh, thresholds were built into homes in the doorway, obviously, to hold in something. You remember what it was? Hold in the hay or the thresh, exactly. Back before indoor heating, back before in-floor heating. I don't know if you, you northerners had in-floor heating. We did in Germany. It was, it was a lifesaver. Our, our babies were able to crawl on the floor because we had in-floor heating. Well, before all of that, before there were throw rugs and carpets and wall-to-wall carpeting, there, were, there was hay and thresh. And so the farmer would bring in a whole load of hay, and they'd stomp it down, and that would be soft, and that would somehow provide some, some uh, insulation between their, their freezing cold feet and the frozen tundra that was below their feet. And it was like their carpet. So they would, they would purposely build in just a little lip in the doorway, first of all, to, to block out the wind and the cold from entering, but also to hold in the thresh or the hay so it didn't escape. They put it there on purpose. It served a purpose. It was supposed to be inside. They didn't want it trampling outside every time one of the kids opened the door and the dog ran out the door. It was there to hold stuff in. Here's the problem. Today, we don't need a threshold. <laughs> and spiritually speaking, we really 
don't need a threshold. Those thresholds, that holds not only us in, and we've been talking about this for weeks now, it holds us back from, from stepping out into the freedom or the blessing or, or, or the next step that God has for us. We talk about it every single week. But today I want to talk about what else's threshold holds in, not just us, but it, it, it holds back, it restricts, it confines, it, it refuses to release the gifts and the blessings that God has poured into your life. Because here's the deal. This is what I want you to walk out the door with today. The blessings, the gifts, the talents that God pours into or invests in your life, they're not for you. God pours these gifts and these blessings and these investments in your life for a very specific purpose. Of course, it's, it's to, to bless us and strengthen us and encourage us and empower us to go out so that we can in turn reinvest that which God has implanted in us. Now, if you've, already, if you've been around church at all, you probably are guessing where I'm going with this, and you're exactly right. We're going to read the, the story, the parable of the talents. So you have a Bible, open up to the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 25. Open up to your Bible or your, your Bible app. Matthew 25, we're going to start in verse 14. If you don't have it, we'll see it up on the board in just a moment. We're going to try to understand what it means to, to cross that threshold. Many of the thresholds that we've talked about these last few weeks have been kind of one-off or, or one-time crossings of the threshold. Uh, remember Brother Sterling talked about, about faith, crossing that threshold of faith and believing and entering into a new life with Christ. It goes for all eternity. We talk about other thresholds of, uh, of crossing over sin and crossing over forgiveness and crossing over love and new relationships. These were one-off or special events. This one is a daily decision. Sometimes even an hourly decision, sometimes even a minute-by-minute minute decision. Will I cross that threshold? Will I allow the gifts that I receive, the gifts that I've been gathering, will I continue to store them and continue to build up this threshold from an inch to a foot to six feet to close up the whole door so that, oh, I hope nothing ever escapes from my hands, from my grip. And God says, no, tear that down. Every day you must Every hour you must, every minute you must make that decision, cross that threshold and, says, yeah, and say, yes, I will invest that which God gave me. Because when it grows, it grows not only for me but for his kingdom. And, of course, we're talking again about the kingdom of God. You remember what we said just last week about the kingdom of God? Ten times Jesus has the opportunity to talk and describe the kingdom of God. Ten times. All, all in the, in the, uh, primarily in the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. All ten times, folks are wondering what this kingdom is going to look like. Remember what we said last week, uh, we know what kingdoms look like. You've, you've traveled to Europe, you've read books, you've seen movies. There, there's a palace, and there's a, there's a fortress, and there's, there's wonderful streets, and wonderfully, beautifully decorated. In some kingdoms, they're even paved with gold, and there's jewels all around. That's what kingdoms look like. And so when Jesus begins to describe these kingdoms, that's kind of what we're expecting. You know, a place, a location, a description of where I'm going to live, what I'm going to be one day. Not once, not once does Jesus use one of these opportunities to describe the place. What do we say? Every single time Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, he describes a person and a relationship. A person and a relationship. Remember what we said? Apparently, people and relationships are more important than the place. We'll figure it out when we get there. 
What's important is y'all get along. What's important is you build your relationships now because the relationships that we have with each other and with God, that's what we will carry into eternity. That's what we will celebrate. That's what, we'll, what we will enjoy. That's what we will invest in in the future. So learn now. Don't worry about where you're going to live, what the house is going to look like, what the streets, streets are paved with. God will show us that in due time. So let's focus on our relationships and people. So let's read through the text. It's a little bit long, so stick with me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 begins. Again, it, kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold. To another he gave two bags. And to another he gave one bag. Each according to his ability. Remember that word. Then he went on his journey. The man who had <coughs> received five bags of gold went at once, the Bible says, and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But, <laughs> but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's Happiness, 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. All right, that's the story. Jesus is telling the story. It's a parable. Remember, it's a made-up story. I don't know if there were literally guys with bags of gold running around and investing and Bearing in the ground is a parable. Jesus was telling this parable to teach us a lesson. But in this lesson, we're understanding not only how life is here, but how life will be in the future in this, this incredible kingdom of heaven that God is building through his son, Jesus Christ. So we want to understand that. So to be able to get there and, and, and live the way God intended, we will have to cross this threshold of not only receiving that gift, receiving in this, word, in this case those talents that God pours into our life, to step over the threshold and daily decide that which I have been given, I will invest in others. That which I claim as my own, I will invest in a place that reaches those who do not know Jesus. That which I have been holding on to for way too long in its mind, I will step over that threshold today and I will invest in a place that makes sure that gift goes on even beyond my lifetime. That is a decision that God is asking us to make and not just one time. 
We're not just at Christmas time. We're not just at Easter time, but every single day of our lives. What is that? Talents. We're getting to that, Jimmy. Excellent. Hold on to that thought. We're getting to the word talent in just a second. Very good. So the question I have for you, number one, is do you trust God? This is all a trust issue here. Do you trust God? And really, if I had space to put it up on the board, the question would have been, do you trust God as much as he trusts you? No, <laughs> hold on just a second. God trusting me? What, why would God trust me? I'm really, I'm just a nobody. You know, we hear sermons about it. We read Bible study books about it. We read uh, self-help books about it, about learning to trust God. If I could only trust God more, then he will bless me more. If I trusted God in this area, then he would heal or he would change or he would fix this area. It's all dependent on me. If I would only trust him more, and all the while we're forgetting the fact that, that God demonstrates clearly in this parable that he, before you even had the chance to trust him, he is pouring into you, investing in you because God trust you. Look at that first word. Right there at the very beginning, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his wealth. Now, this is an important word for us to understand. This word entrusted means either, it means either to, to just literally give over to and, 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 and give like a gift. This is a gift for you. Keep it. Do whatever you want with it. It's yours. Or just a couple of times it means that, or it means to, to hand over to someone to manage. It, it has the word para in it, just like paraclesis, which is the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside of us. So it's very much a relationship kind of a word. Someone, someone who comes alongside you and says, listen, I've got this money. I, I need you to take care of it for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it in your care. I'm going to leave it in your trust. I'm going to make sure that you manage it, that you steward it for me well. It's, it's always in the context of a relationship. Not, not the giving of like some random stranger on the street that, that seems to be hungry. You hand him five bucks and say, go get a burger. I'm talking about like husband and wife and, and mommy and, and kids and, and son and, and his father. Some kind of relationship is there coming along the side of someone saying, I want to trust what I have into your hands. The one thing it never means, not here and not anywhere else in the Bible, this word never means to hand over and ask them to take, uh, protect it for you, deposit it for you, uh, somehow guard it for you. It never means that. There's a completely different word in the Greek language for that. So, so this, sir, this master is not saying to any of his servants at any time, here, listen, I'm going to give you this special gift. I want it to be yours and yours alone, and whatever you do, don't get rid of it. Don't share it. Don't show it. Don't in any way allow it to get out of your hands. That's a completely different word, and God didn't use that word. He could have used that word. That word is very available in the Greek language. He uses it later at the very end of the story, but not here. He uses word that comes in the, in the context of a relationship. It says, I am trusting you with this. It is a talent. And that word talent in Greek, that's the Greek word, talents, years later came to mean in our English language a, a gift or a or an ability, a talent. God gives you special abilities. But in the original Greek language, it was a weight, like, like a pound or a kilogram or a ton. Roughly, roughly, if it was a talent, this, this weight of gold, you know how much that would be in our dollars? About a million four. <laughs> I mean, this is a chunk of change. God's given this guy a million four, one of them, or two of those, or five of those. So it's a chunk of change that God's given him. He's given this talent. And the question is, <clears throat> if God trusts you that much, 
what are you doing with that which God has entrusted you with? He is not saying now nor at any other time in this story that he's giving you that to guard for yourself. That is not at all implied, nor is it in the meaning of the word. He's saying, I'm giving you this to steward it, to use it wisely. But let's keep going. He gave it according to their ability. This is an important word. We just read it in the text. According, each according to their ability. And that word ability, we've had it many, many times. It's the word dynamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. And, of course, that means power, right? It's the word power. Power under control. And this word dynamite, uh, 90, I, I looked it up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not being a, a, a Greek nerd here. But, but 92 times in the New Testament, the word means simply power, like explosive power, like, like you would picture with a stick of dynamite. You, you light the fuse, just like in the old Western movies, and it explodes, and anything nearby it is just uh, destroyed, right? That's, that's exactly what the word means. Only four times, and this is one of those four times, only four times does this word mean a special kind of power. It means this power under control or used or employed adeptly or exactly. Now, what am I saying? Picture that same stick of dynamite. You stick it under, under, under a wall or in a building or, or in an old house or in an old boat. You, you light that fuse, and it's going to explode, and everything near it is going to be destroyed, right? We, we get that. That's, that's, that's dynamite kind of power. Have you ever seen one of those documentaries or maybe a news story about an old building in the downtown of a big city? They've got to destroy it, but they have to be really careful about all the buildings around it. You, you know how they do it. They go inside, they take that same dynamite, or I'm sure nowadays they have different kind of explosives, and they carefully, precisely, scientifically engineered place that dynamite just the right amount at just the right position at just the right time and they don't even all explode at the same time i don't know maybe the bottom ones explode first and the top ones last i don't know but they, they've got it all figured out these smart guys and gals they know exactly how to do it and so when someone hits the button it explodes at just the right time at just the right place to bring that entire building down on itself perfectly adeptly exactly that's the word that god is using here so what does that mean when God looks at your life, when God looks at our lives, and he, he sees where we are, what stage of life we're at, and what, what's going on in our lives, and, and how he can best use us for his plan, he says, all right, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give him this bag of dynamite. I'm going to give him this bag of gold. And when, when, when they're able to use that dynamite that's in their heart combined with the gift, the gold that I've given them, the talent that I've given them, watch what happens in that life or in that neighborhood, or in that church, or in that city, or in that country. The power that God gives us combined with the gift that God has poured into us, invested into us, we will see the fruits of that. But how do we know that we're trusting God? Look one more time at the two guys that received the five and the two bags. Again, verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey, verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once. How interesting. We're talking about trusting God. We're talking about using the gift that God has poured into, invested, planted in our lives for him. Crossing that threshold, making the decision every day, every hour, every minute to reinvest that which God has invested in us. What does that mean? It's very interesting. The two that literally doubled the investment that God planted in their life, the two that doubled their investment, they went at once. There was a sense of urgency. 
Folks, there is nothing that can hold back the, 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 the work of God more than our apathy. How many of us have heard sermon after sermon, Bible study after Bible study, uh, men's retreat, women's retreat, uh, uh, video conference, uh, Christian song after another, and God is saying, okay, now, okay, now you're ready. Okay, now God has literally lit the fuse under our little butts and said, okay, okay, go now. And in apathy, we are frozen, waiting for one more clear word for him, one more encouraging sermon, one more invitation by the pastor to, to do this or to give up that or to start the other. And God is saying, I want you to go. And those that had much ability, much dynamite, they went at once. The proof was in the pudding. They had that sense of urgency. There is a law of diminishing the returns. The longer we wait to respond to God's call, the less able we are to understand and hear and respond to that call. We must go immediately. What is what is God calling you to do? What has God poured into your life? And now he's saying, okay, I've I've given you this gift. And I've given you this gift for a purpose. And you know exactly what that gift is. You know exactly why he's given you that gift. Why are you still sitting on that gift? It is time to cross that threshold and plant that gift. Is it, is it music? Is it helping with the kids in the Sunday school? Is it teaching the adult Sunday school? We've been begging for, for, for more musicians for a long time to help with the tech crowd. You do social media. Do you cook? I, pretty much any gift that God may have poured out over this body, I promise you, there's a place for you to serve. And God is saying, go and do it. And then this very last bit about God entrusted you. Look at, look at, in fact, I wonder if it's here. I think it's one more slide, you guys. Nope. All right. Let's see if I can find it here. I thought it was on the slide. There's a, a ver the passage where it says that, um, that God, the, the master entrusted the, uh, the one with five bags of gold, got in, the master entrusted the one with two bags of gold, and, got, and the master entrusted the one with one bag of gold. The, the two, the five and the two, when they were responding, they said, you entrusted me with five bags, and look, master, here are five more. And he says, you entrusted me with two bags, and he said, look, master, here are two more. The exact same wording. You entrusted me, and here is a return. You entrusted me, and here is a return. When we get down to the guy with one bag, what does he say? There's no you entrusted me. Immediately, the very first word out of his mouth is, I knew that you were a hard master, that you were, uh, and he just kind of goes on with all the excuses. That is not the answer God was looking for. The, the answer God was looking for, I poured into you. I planted this gift in your life. I've given you everything you need to take that next step. And the first two guys were focused on that next step and focused on reinvesting that which God had given them. This guy was still focused on his limited resources. I knew that you looked for a return where there was no return. I knew that you would look for uh, seed where you where uh, uh, a harvest where you did not even scatter seed. And because of that, all I was focused on was myself and my limited resources, folks. This isn't a sermon about money, but it's certainly a sermon about money at this point. I mean, God, God invests in our lives, whether it's a, a paycheck or, or a blessing or a, some kind of financial gift. He, he gives us that which we need. That is not just for you. He pours that into your life so that you can in, in turn reinvest that. And if we hold that to ourselves, I promise you, 
I promise you, as long as our attention, our focus is on our resources, especially if those resources happen to be at this moment limited resources, and I'm pretty sure everyone in this room would be in that same boat. We all have limited resources. If that is true, I promise you, as long as your focus is on you and your limited resources, you will never be ready to step over that threshold and invest something that you have because your limited resources can't get the job done. If, however, your focus is like the guy with five and the guy with two, and your focus is on God, they both started with the same word, you, master, you, master, where is your focus today? I promise you, as long as you're focusing on your bank account, as long as you're focusing on your calendar, your agenda, how many extra or non-extra hours you have in the week, as long as you're focusing on your health and your body and your, your, your sickness or your wellness, as long as you're focused on you, you will never come to a place where you can step over that threshold and invest that which God has given you in his kingdom. God is saying, no, the focus must be on me. So what is the th- problem here? Are we, are we doomed? <laughs> are we doomed to be a, a one-bagger our whole life? Is, it, is there no way to attain to one day being a two-bagger or a five-bagger of gold or of talents? Is, is that what God is saying here? No. Folks, we are not stuck. We are not stuck with the gift that God initially planted in our lives. That gift was given to us so that it will grow. God is a multiplier. God is a multiplier of gifts. He's a multiplier of money. He's a multiplier of health. He's a multiplier of opportunities. He's a multiplier of open doors. If we would only trust him. But we must invest quickly because if we do not, there is an enemy who will come and who will snatch that opportunity or that open door away. The five-bagger and the two-bagger, they started at different levels. The the five bags of gold gift is clearly bigger than the two bags of gold gift. There's clearly a difference. And even after they both doubled, even after they both multiplied, the two became four, but the five became ten. Well, here's the problem. When they multiply again, the ten becomes twenty. The the four, that only becomes eight. They're only going to grow in difference. The the four-bagger, the two-bagger is never going to catch up to the the five and the ten and the twenty-bagger. It's going to grow. So so we just give up and throw throw in the towel at this point? No, God is saying the exact opposite. If you'll notice, both of them received the same response from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Both of them received the same reward. Both of them received the same joy. Both of them had the same future. Both of them had the same opportunity. They started from different places. And they wound up with the same resource. God is blessing us with a purpose. Do not downplay, do not disrespect the gift that God has given you. It might not be a five-bag gift. It might only be a two-bag gift. It might only be a one-bag gift. Wherever you start is not where you're going to finish. The decision is yours. So, So what's holding you back? That would be my second question for this morning. What is holding you back? Look further at the, excuse me, the text. Let's go back to that whole sense of urgency that went at once. We read right at the very beginning, that whole sense of urgency idea that, that when God pours something, plants something, invests something into your life, it is not for one day, it is for now. Both of these guys went at once and invested it. But the story says he went on a long journey. 
And a little bit further down, the Bible tells us after a long time, he returned. Here's the deal. The Bible is clearly saying go at once, invest at once, do not wait, do not hold back, do not put it off, do it now. It will mature in time. But the time to do it is now. Why? Because we humans are the exact opposite. We, we were just talking about this with the teenagers in Miami over the weekend. If God would just send us a letter, if God would just send us an email, if he would just text us in bold what our next steps are, we'd be more than happy to do it. God, just show us and we'll go. And all the while, God is saying, take that first step, and I'll show you your second step. Take that first step over the threshold, and I'll show you where to plant that which I've put into your life. God says, no, it works the other way around with me. I don't show you everything first, and then you get to decide whether you're on board with my plan or not. I'm asking you to trust me. And if you trust me, I will show you my plan for your life. Second is the whole idea of talent. The word for talent is a weight it's an amount of gold. And I said, you know, in our language, in our world, it's about $1.4 million. That's no small amount. I don't care who you are. I mean, in my family, that would be a lot of money. And if my master, my boss, entrusted me with $1.4 million, I'd feel pretty good about, about, about our relationship. I'd feel, I'd feel pretty good about who I am and, and how worthwhile I am to him and, and the place I play in his plan, and, and I'd feel like he entrusted me with a huge amount of money, and I would just run with it unless I checked Facebook first. And I saw my buddy, he's all excited about the $2.8 million he just got from his boss to invest. And while I'm, while I'm upset about that, here through the back door comes my other buddy screaming up and down about the huge new opportunity he has at work. Can you believe it? The boss just trusted me with five bags of gold. And all of a sudden, my $1.4 million don't look like much, does it? It's the same $1.4 million it was two minutes before. It didn't change. What changed? My focus. All of a sudden, because it wasn't what he had, it wasn't what she had, it didn't count for as much. It wasn't worth as much. It didn't fill me, encourage me, build me up, empower me to go out as much as it did before I knew what my guy on my right and the gal on my left had. This is exactly what's holding you back. It might not only be the sense of urgency and your desire for a quick, easy response, it might also be that we're looking right and looking left, what others have, their gifts, their talents, their resources, their opportunities, their available and free time, their good health that I don't have. Whatever you're looking at, I don't care. This guy had the same prop. God's saying that's not what I'm asking you to look at. And a third option would be the fear. Look at verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. Fear. Fear was completely controlling every action of this man's life. Fear was controlling whether he was willing to give, whether he was willing to invest, whether he was willing to step over that threshold and pour into the next generation of the kingdom of God, or whether he was going to hold it back for himself. Fear is what was dictating how this man responded to the call of God on his life. Here's the deal. That gold was not his to bury. I wonder how much 
I wonder how much buried gold there is here in Cape Coral right now. Under your house. Under the chair where you have your daily quiet time most days. Under this church building. That's not your gold to bury. God gave you that one bag, that two bag, that five bag, not for you. He gave it to you so it passes through. You're not a reservoir. You're, you're a channel. You're a river. It flows through you for the kingdom of God. What a blessing to be used by God. Can you imagine what it felt like to be the guy with five or two bags of gold? What it felt like that your master entrusted that with you because he knew your ability and you were willing to give even more than you had been given yourself. That's the problem. What is your picture of God? How you picture God, what his picture is in your mind, it dictates how you respond. Is he a mean God? Then you will respond by hunkering down and, and holding tight, tight-fisted to everything you have. Is your God a loving grandpa? Then your response may be lackadaisical and, and lazy, saying, well, uh, whether I do right or wrong, whether I respond now or in 10 years or maybe never at all, God's just going to love me anyways. He'll take care of it all. I don't have to worry about it. Or is your God the lion of Judah, worthy of your excellence, then you will give your very best with a sense of urgency every day, stepping over that threshold, that decision, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Folks, th to make this very practical as we finish out, as we make this practical, remembering that this gold that God has blanded, these talents that God has invested in our lives are not ours to bury, they're ours to give. I want to talk to you about money. God asks us to tithe. God asks us to give. God asks us to respond in kind. If he gives us money, then we are to give money. If he gives us health, then we are to give health. If he gives us time, then we are to give time. If he gives us talents and abilities, then we are to give our talents and abilities. The Old Testament talks about the 10% rule. Whether you're into the 10% rule, you say, oh, I live in the New Testament. That time has passed away. That is less interesting to me. If I and my family, we still give a tithe and actually even a little bit more. That's kind of who we are and, and where we've come from. Uh, here's the deal. If you pray, I mean, I mean earnestly pray, not just like, oh, God, what do you think? Will a 20 do it today? <laughs> I, mean, I mean earnestly pray this week. God, show me a number. Show me a percent. Show me an amount. Show me a number. Or, or you and your spouse, you guys pray together. However you do it as a family, if you really pray and you trust God and I trust the Holy Spirit in you to tell you what that number is for your family, that will be your starting point. What I'm asking you to do, whatever that number is, whether it's 10% or more, whatever number he tells you, what I'm asking you to do is this. This week, purpose in your heart to give it. Here's the deal. Too often, we humans, we wait for the emotions to be right. The pastor to hit it hard on a Sunday morning. Or the guilt, maybe they show one of those videos that kind of makes you cry and think about all the missionaries on the other side of the world. Or, or maybe you get a big blessing and you're kind of guilted into giving up a little piece of it. Uh, that's not biblical. Biblical is the purpose in your heart. Be a cheerful giver. Be excited about that which God planned in your life taking a step of faith and planting it elsewhere and watching it grow. That's what God wants. Purpose in your life to give that and then make it happen. Don't say, well, if I feel like it, because here's the deal, you're never going to feel like it. And if you feel like it this Sunday and you wait till next Sunday to give a next part, you might not feel like it next Sunday. Or you might not make it next Sunday. I want you to make it a priority in your life. 
Second, our gifts. We have been asking, for, whether it's for musicians or, or help with Awanas or help with the adult Bible study, help in the kitchen. I mean, there's so many creative ways you can be involved in the ministry of this church. This Saturday with the car show, we need people to come out and just love on our community, love on our friends, just chat with them. I mean, how hard is that? Just eat the yummy food that people bring and, and talk to the nice guys and gals that bring their old cars here. Easy peasy. I need people to join and bring your gifts. And then third are these cute little invites. You may already have one in your hand. If not, there should be one nearby. And our youth can hand them out real quick if you still need some. Here's what we're asking you to do with these. These are our Easter invites. And, yes, it is pretty early for Easter. But we're asking you guys something special this year. Not just hand out a bunch or not just leave them in the, in the bathroom stall at whatever restaurant you happen to be eating at on Sunday afternoon. W whatever you do, we're asking you to bring somebody. Every single person. Last year, you remember 2019, we said everyone bring one. Well, that was for the whole year. I'm asking you this year, specifically for Easter, that every single one of us would bring a friend, a neighbor, a family member, somebody new for the Easter weekend services. Not all year long. You have six weeks. You have plenty of time to think about it, pray about it, prepare about it, invite them, work through all the excuses why it might not work, and invite them. We're asking every one of you to take one of these or ten of these and invite a friend for Easter. Folks, here's the deal. God is investing in us every day. God is pouring into us every day. We praise, we thank, we sing about his blessings. God is doing that for a purpose because he is building a kingdom and he wants to use you and the gift that he's already given you to do that. The question is, will you step over that threshold and begin planting in this kingdom that which he has planted in you? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are such a generous God, that you give over and above anything we could ever imagine. That when we count our blessings, God, we're realizing that it is more than we need. Forgive us, Lord, when we hunker down. Forgive us, Lord, when we build up that threshold so high that we do not allow those gifts, those blessings, those talents to leave our presence. That we become tight-fisted because we focus on ourselves and our own needs. God, I pray that you would help us tear down those thresholds today. That each and every one of us would purpose in our own hearts this week to walk out immediately and begin investing so that we would see the same kind of radical results, God, that, that when you come, there would be double, and then there would be double, and then, Father, there would be double, not because of anything we did, except that we were faithful to reinvest that which you invested in us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. With New Hope, we always uh, end our service with a time of commitment because we believe God is always talking. Whether it was through a song, a prayer, God's spoken word, however he's talking, the question is, are we listening? So now's your opportunity. We're going to stand in just a moment. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.